there's out the one in the air out towards center field Taylor goes back stops at the wall turns around it's gone Bo Bichette with a two-run home run in the fourth inning he takes Lynch to straightaway center field and he's got his ninth of the year two-run shot for Bo well the Blue Jays beat the Kansas City Royals 8-0 last night. The long ball making the big difference for the Blue Jays. Three home runs, including Bo Bichette's home run. It is Blair and Barker, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker, as the Jays started a road trip to Kansas City and Detroit on a winning, on a winning, I guess, by playing a winning tune. And Kevin Barker, Ross Stripling. And we'll have a ton to talk about today, but let's start mm-hmm. with Ross Stripling. A two-hour weather delay wasn't really a rain delay. It was a weather delay, I guess they were concerned. Well, there's always inclement weather in Kansas City at this time of the year. Two-hour delay to the start of the game. Now, if you're going to pick a guy in the Jays staff you'd probably want in that situation, it would be Stripling because he's basically done everything this year, right? Yep. I mean, he's he's closed. He's 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 like the Swiss Army knife. So I'm sure Ross Stripling looked at it mm-hmm. and thought, eh, I've dealt with with worse. Ross Stripling, five innings, two strikeouts. First pitch strikes, nine of 16 batters. Um, balance between ground balls and, 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 and fly balls. And, and Kevin, this is, you know, we don't know how long Hyunjin Ryu is going to be out. And we know that the Blue Jays have things they need to address in the bullpen with the balance of the lineup and all that stuff that we've been talking about. And I think we're both on the same page. I kind of like Ross Stripling in a hybrid role. I think if you put him in into the starting rotation, in some ways you're you're limiting his ability. You're limiting your ability to maximize what he can give you. But at the same time, Kevin, you, I mean, he's so reliable. And that was, he was the perfect guy in that situation. There's, I don't think there's anybody in that team I'd want in that situation starting right now. Compared it is. to Ross well, 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 and you, there's a knack. There's a knack to being ready. Yeah, People are going to well, roll their eyes. There's a knack to being ready during sure. rain or weather delays. Yeah, I got to ask you, what, what what did you do during the two hour and five minute rain delay? I'll tell you what I did. I watched Connor McDavid. Which, <laughs> let me be honest with you, I I've never watched thirty five minutes of hockey. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah. But I I could not take my eyes off the TV set with with McJesus. He lost it. You know I that. don't care. I, like I just to watch him on the ice. I got mad at the coach for taking him out of the game. Like I, I just I know you have to do that because you just can't skate. Pretend forever. it was Charlie Montoya on the bench. Oh, God, man. leave him out there. Oh man, it's unbelievable. Like I just, I've just never seen That's anybody. Enough hockey. Sk- I've never That's seen anybody hockey. skate like that. Point being, yeah. is what during a rain delay. Baseball players the exact same way. You're looking at your buddy going, well, what, what are we supposed to do here? I guarantee you they weren't like, watching what? hockey. They might have been. No. Jordan Romano might have been watching hockey. No. Who knows he's a hockey guy? No. Come on. You, do, you, you, do, you find things to do. Playing you, cards. It's, it's, it's outside the norm. A lot of guys don't like cards. Dominoes. You, you, uh, what? Uh, that's like they in the 80s. You played dominoes. You threw, you threw dice or whatever that thing was, too, in the 80s. Anyway. Sometimes guys it, sleep. They have a nap. It's very hard to nap, unless you're a napper. Are you a napper? <laughs> Do I look like a napper? I'm not sure. No, I'm not a napper. 
Everybody well, you got, in there saying, I'm got, not a napper. You got you to gotta, you gotta find certain things to do to, to keep I'm your... I'm not a napper. I'm not a napper. Your, what do you do? Just, that, that's ageist. That's discrimination. I'm calling everybody out for age discrimination so, so, so right not, there. Just so, because I'm old. So you're not, I'm not old. Just because I'm... Just in because I'm in, my, I'm in my early 60s. 62. That doesn't mean I need to nap. You're not one of those people that, that like, mid-sentence, you're starting to... I mean, I will if I have to listen to you too much, but no, uh, I mean, I won't. I won't nap. God. I don't understand why, why you're getting so nap, tired well, about because naps. Napping is like buying a van. It means you've just given up. You just said that baseball players in the prime of their life nap. Well, the Jays did. They had that, that uh, remember the, uh, what was that? Was it the doubleheader of the rain delay where they had like a team nap when Russ Martin and those guys were here and they... They had a team nap. They, like, turned the lights off. I don't know. They had soft music, and they all kind of nap. I guess whatever gets it done. Anyhow, whatever, whatever yeah. Whatever you think, it, it, it needs to, to happen there. The, the point is you got to figure out ways to keep I yourself involved in the game. I watched Borgen it, it, instead. It's more – I don't have any idea what that is. You should watch That's it. right good. up there with me watching hockey. Only reason I watch is because McJesus, which that is the greatest nickname. And now I know why he has it. Because I watched, and I'm not a hockey guy, and I watched that, and I couldn't take my eyes off the TV set. And I couldn't wait for the coach to put him back in the game because all I wanted to do was see him with the puck, skate around, just skate. That's all. Anyway, I, I couldn't get over that. That was that was pretty exciting. And, and that rain delay, which was not a rain delay because only bad teams have rain delays, and it doesn't rain. Like, I, that's the first thing that came to my mind was, why are you having a rain delay? And it didn't even rain. Well, and then, of course, the perfect <laughs> thing is they take the tarp off and it starts to Absolutely. rain. Absolutely. So of course it's, it's going to That's, why you, got Kansas se- that's City. why you got 17 wins. Anyhow, uh, Ross Stripling, man. Yeah. Well, now, look, this is not a – let's face it. This, he's, he's not facing a very good team. No, and early on, you, you could tell the the – Little layoff, the the rain delay. You could tell he, he wasn't sharp. Like the 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 changeup wasn't doing what the changeup was supposed to do. The velocity wasn't there till like the second inning. Then you mm-hmm. start seeing more 92, 93s instead of 90, 91s. Uh, you know, I, I just like the the how he attacked lefties. It was mainly the, the knuckle curve, the four seamer, the changeup, the two seamer. Everything was away. You know why is everything's away? He went to Kauffman Statement, sta, uh, sta, Stadium and saw that big giant park huge. and said, okay, if you if you can hit the ball the other way, now Bo and Vladdy did it, but Bo and Vladdy are different kind of humans. He's saying to that lineup, if you can go the other way, if you can drive the ball over there, if you can beat me the other way, more power to you. And I just think that's sort of what Ross is turning into is he's he's able to Pitch to the field, pitch to the stadium because he has confidence in his mechanics. He has confidence where he's at on the rubber. He has confidence that he's not tipping anymore. He has confidence in his breaking ball to steal a strike early in the count. He has confidence in his changeup that he can throw it three times in a row. It's that good. The arm yeah. speed, the, <laughs> the velocity, the break on it. You know, it's more sync now than it is too seen with the changeup. It's just not a change of speed. It's an actual swing and miss pitch. So that's why you're seeing him throw it more than a couple of times in a row. And the and, and the fastball for the most part. Now, last night, he got away with some 90s down the middle, which he can't do against good teams. But for the most part, that thing's not down the middle. Like, it's got to be on the, I don't yeah. say on the corners, because I don't think that's Ross. You know, mechanically, he's just not good enough to all the time be right there on the corners. Outer third, inner third, and when he misses, miss. Off the plate, and I think that's, you know, he's able to do that when he has to do it. And 
Again, he faced 16 batters. He threw nine strike once. Is that great? Probably not. That should be a little bit better, especially when you're only throwing 56 pitches, which is sort of what we thought he was going to do. But he was still he was still pretty efficient. I mean, he you know was what? Good. It was a th- three pitches, basically three and three and a bit pitches per at bat per out. That's 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 pretty good. It is. It, it is efficient. It, it is. It's just would you the confidence. Him, would you let him go another no, inning? No. Okay. I, I wouldn't. I thought they took him out the right time and. Yeah, I did too. I was just wondering if you, if if you thought maybe given the low pitch count, you let him you let him go. Well, the last time he made a start was May seventh. It's a right. long time. Like just you know, and then, and then the the delay, the two hours, it's a lot mentally. That's where that comes into play. It's not physical. Like you you do laying around and you're trying to figure out how to waste. That's basically what you're doing is wasting time. Do I go have, be stretched again? Am I getting more treatment? Like you trying to invent things to do because it's outside the and norm. I guess, I guess for, that's a mental hurdle. And, and I guess for starting pitcher too, it may be. It, it may be just like a start in the, on the West Coast, right? If you're you're starting around ten o'clock. Uh, well, it would be if if. No, I don't know if he was I don't, normal. I don't start think time. he warmed like up. He or show, like he shows up at at the yeah. field at a certain time. He has this amount of time between the time he shows up from the time he goes out and actually warms up. Like there's a process to this whole thing, and when it's thrown off. Now you're trying to invent ways to go back and figure it out again, and that's where that mental hurdle comes into play, where you're not thinking about that so much. And you're trying to get back on tra- track and think about how you're throwing, throwing strike one and mechanically getting it out in front. Now, again, it gets back to Kansas City. I'm with you. They're, that's the worst team I've seen the Blue Jays face this year. Like, it's not, it's really not even close. They're and not very good. They're, that, and that surprises me because they've, you know, they've got some good young players, they've got some young pitchers. But yeah, they're, um, it, it's, they're in, they're, I mean, they're rebuilding. That's, I, I don't I, even. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say they're rebuilding. I think they need to recalibrate almost more than rebuild. Yeah, I, I just don't like Whit Merrifield. If, if you're in a, if you're a, a team that's trying to win, what I saw last night looks like he's swinging underwater. Like he just looks like the bat speed, the last little that he's had in the past. Right? It's you let the ball travel. You can throw your hands. It's that little A to B, short and quick, like that that boxer's punch. Right? It's mm-hmm. that little quick, short jab that he normally has. He just looks to me like this year. He hasn't had that, and that'll tell you. You know how? How would you even if you wanted to trade him? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. So that'll be an interesting thing here to look at in the next month or so. Uh, Ross Stripling, if you're the Blue Jays, how do you play this again? Assuming Ryu is out for a while, do you let Ross start, and then if you need, you're already going to be addressing bullpen issues through a trade at some point. Do you let Ross start and just kind of? Wait for Nate Pearson to come back and 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 put him in the bullpen and and, and take that approach, because I, I again I keep saying that I know there's a to do list for this team and I mean at this point as much as I'd like to have Ross in his hybrid role I I mean I'd, I'd go with him. This is for me when when uh, when when everything is said and done I'm I'm just not sure that you know the the way you want to maneuver your bullpen and the arms that you're going to put in there sort of raw stripping. I, I'm not sure how many times you can go to the well and ask him, okay, do this for three starts and then go back out there and and continue to do it at the high level that you're doing it at. They're going to have to – they'll probably ask him to do that September, October. Hopefully mm-hmm. they get in the playoffs and those kind of things and they need that sort of – that guy to do whatever it is that, that that guy can do. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know how long he can continue to do this because you can tell the velocity on his heater because of this 
is up and down a lot, up and down. And that's the one little thing. He needs the extra. I'm not saying it's a gear because it's not really. It's just enough. But he needs just enough right. consistently. And it's, this is a lot to ask, right? It's just so uh, – to answer your question, I just think it's it's more if if you hopefully uh, – you know, Ryu sort of figures out what he's going to figure out, and you leave him where he's at. If he can give you this most of the time, how can you argue? The uh, Jays called up Matt Gage before yesterday's game. He is a uh, relief pitcher that folks in the organization have been talking about for a while. He's an interesting story. Uh, he's a, I, I don't know if you'd call him a late bloomer. He's he's a guy, though, who's, who's road to the major leagues certainly hasn't been hasn't been all that straightforward. Um, and, and, and Kevin, you, when I first mentioned the name Matt Gage to you, I was a couple of weeks ago, Ben and Shy had asked Ross Atkins about him, but kind of if his name was on the horizon and said, yeah, and you went and looked at Matt Gage. There's a lot of Lucas Giolito happening with that dude, isn't there? Well, there is. Well, he was, he was, how he got to that was he was, he played for the Diablos in the Mexican league and COVID hit. And, I, I, you know, he didn't get to play there as long as he wanted to get to play there in the summer league. So he had to come home, and he had a little bit longer of an arm action, and he was watching Lucas Giolito. Yeah, he's a 29-year-old left-hander drafted by the Giants in the 10th round in 2014, and he's yeah. just kind of bounced all over the place. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of 28-year-olds that are in double-A aren't going to make it too long, so you Correct. have to make a drastic change. And that was more he was trying to figure out how to go to Korea or Japan to make that quick money because you can make a – Yep. Older guy, as long as you can get some guys out, some strike some people out, and you're not overly expensive, you can go over to places like that. You know, he he learned his cutter. Now, he calls that a cutter. That, to me, looks like, because of the velocity, looks like a slider. He's got more slider breakdown. I'm sure he can, you know, change around the grip, put more pressure on his thumb, and make it go more side to the side to look like a cutter. Looks like a slider, but what do I know? Who? What difference does it make what I think? He thinks it's a cutter. He got that from Lee Smith. Lee Smith sort of gave him the grip mm-hmm. on how to hold that. And, and that and was when he pitched for Lee Smith? Yeah, he did. He was, I think that's 2016, 2015, 2016 when he was with Lee Smith and, and he taught him how to hold the cutter. Uh, you mentioned the Lucas Giolito. He saw that after he came back from the Mexican League and he was trying to figure out, you know, how about I try that? And he went in the backyard. Uh, he got a catcher. He had his wife stand in. He said, I'm going to throw it. With a long action, I'm going to throw it like Lucas Giolito. You tell me which one's better. Well, seemed to, you know, just think it was coming out a little harder. The finish was a little bit better. The deception was a lot better. You can see all that thing that he was doing there. You know, it looks like a T-Rex. So they started doing that. I think he went to independent ball. Yeah. First pitch he threw was 94, and he said, that's sort of what I need to stick with he's because pitched, of the velocity there. He's and, pitching and, independent ball. He's been uh, to Mexico twice. Mm-hmm. He's pitched in two independent leagues, actually. Uh, he's been with the Diamondbacks and then went to Mazatlan in 2021-22 and uh, was 1-3 and three at Buffalo this year with 21 strikeouts and i believe five walks yeah 21 strikeouts five walks a 0.900 whip he yeah. used he, to be a starter now he's got a short arm action he's starting to elevate the baseball a little bit more that's the thing in 2022 you'd rather yeah. throw it up than down gives guys better chance to have some swing and misses and you add the cutter off of that elevated fastball it's got a little extra gear to it which is a big deal he's got that deception look th- this would be a nice little surprise for the blue jays now, there'll be an interesting thing. I know yesterday he had a big lead. He came in, he struck out a couple of guys. It's one, two, three in the order, face two righties and a lefty. It'll be interesting to see how they use him depending on how long he's here. You say 
Rafael Devers comes up. They wonder if they'll feel comfortable enough for him to come in. That's sort of the role that they're trying to figure out a guy. If Tim Mays is not here, figure out that guy that can get that tough lefty out in the middle of a game when the game's on the line. And that's sort of what they're looking for. If they can find this guy, Gage, the uh, lightning in the bottle, short on it, deception, got a little gear to it, can get some swing and miss, which is all what we're dreaming of. You know, the Blue mm-hmm. Jays need that. And maybe that's that extra pitch that he needs with the deception. That's very hard to pick up, right? It's all that stuff that he does before he actually releases the ball. And then that quick thing out of the glove, he gets to the T-Rex, and then he throws it, gets on you in a hurry, and he elevates it. Matt Bushman, I think, has been – he's the guy that that sort of talked him into coming here. The conversation, you call Matt, say, hey, what's the Blue Jays sort of expect from us? How are you going to go about – making me a little bit better, and they said, this is the stuff. We want you to elevate it. We only want you to be a two-pitch guy. We want you to do it out of bullpen. He sort of fell in love with that, and here he is getting a chance. You root for guys like this. They're sort of a good, you know, yeah, it's a good a story. story. Absolutely, and and guys who paid their dues. I mean, how many times you got to go to Mexico before you get a chance to come up here? And, you know, going in the backyard and saying basically the long arm action, that thing ain't going to work. 90-91 being left-handed, that's – 2022, that's just not going to work. So oh, You're just a number. Yeah, absolutely. So he he corrected that, and now look where he's at. Fun to watch. Good for him. Um, Well, not so long ago, it seemed as if we were talking about, oh, the Jays can't get any offense going. They can't get a hit with runners in scoring position, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Coming into last night's game, Kevin Barker, over the last 11 games, they were the highest scoring team in the majors. They certainly added to that last night uh, with that 8 nothing win. Uh, Alec Manoa goes in game two tonight against Brad Keller, by the way. How much different is this? How much of this is different approach? How much of this is just kind of water finding its level with these guys? Or how much of this is the fact that they're getting a break in, 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 in terms of the pitching they're facing? I, I always, whenever I was a scoreboard watching and when you stink – you do a lot of that because you want to know at the big league level that thing is right above the pitcher's head and you can't miss it. And when Matt Chapman's hitting under 200, now he's hitting 220. When Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is hitting somewhere in the low 230s, now he's hitting 253. When uh, Teoscar Hernandez was hitting somewhere around the high 180s, now he's hitting 224. Point being is now you don't walk into the plate scoreboard watching. Now it's all about I'm getting up good pitch, I'm getting my pitch, and now because I have enough confidence that I don't have to peak right above the pitcher's head and see what I'm hitting because that's a thing. I don't care what anybody says. I know it's the analytics dream of 2021. It's all about how hard you hit the baseball. No, you walk up to Matt Chapman right now and say, hey, last week you were hitting a buck 80. Now you're hitting 220. He's going to tell you that he feels a little bit more comfortable and he likes 220 a little bit better than the buck 80. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And quite frankly, when you're facing some teams that you should be hammering, gives you confidence like they they just don't make good good enough pitches to get you out they don't pitch to your weakness enough the ball down tends to give this team trouble when you run into pitching staffs who can't throw the ball down and locate it and get ahead and start it in the strike zone and ends up down and away this lineup's good enough now and has enough confidence that they can lay off the good ones and now they're starting to get the their pitch and when they're getting them you know, it helps again that Vladdy's starting to, to to drive some balls up the middle the other way and Teoscar's starting to get out in front a little bit. And Santiago Espinal, I know we've talked about him some. 
That short to it and long through it. That home run last night should never be a home run for a little guy like mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. just having the, the lower half that he has, being able to stay in the middle of his body with his lower half allows him to use his hands enough to be short to it and long through it. Have that length in your barrel to where you can keep that fair and you can get you can gain uh, you know length with the baseball because you're long through it. And again, this is this is sort of what we expect from this lineup. It is. Murder's row when when you have guys not trying to do too much and going up and getting their pitch, no matter what the count is, until you get to two strikes, it's okay to take a strike. It's okay to take a pitcher's strike. Okay, It's okay to walk up and go, I'm going to give him middle away until I get to two strikes. When I get my pitch, if it's close to me, I'm not going to miss it, and I think that's sort of what you're starting to see here. Yeah, it's uh, it has been. It has been really really impressive and as you know as Kevin said we we talked about this in the context of Bo Bichette as well uh, when you go up that when you play every day especially and that batting average just keeps is below 200 or just above 200 mm-hmm. and you see it there and yeah I know guys you can convince yourself that it's early in the year and your launch angle's good and velos are good barrels are good and all that but you're still hitting 220 and it's it's <laughs> People may think of this as being counterintuitive, but when you're playing every day and you're scuffling, man, no, you, those gains are just in, incremental. Like, they're just a little, little bit at a time, and it really is a grind. It's been a grind for a lot of those. It guys. is. The batting average going up will tell you that what you're doing off the field is translating right. on the field. Again, you can have any khaki walk up to you and go, just stay where you're at. You're hitting the ball hard. I'm not seeing results. I like It's okay to tell me that. But until I actually see me driving a ball into right center with backspin, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I'm I, sure they're thinking the exact same thing, and this gets back to the people that we've had on here about the coaches, coaches having to sell these kind of things like analytics is going to work, stick with what you're doing because this is what the numbers are saying. Uh, look, sometimes that can be a tough sell to your further to your point because you're hitting a buck 80, and I'm just no, starting to notice that now you're not seeing as much scoreboard watching. It was I only know this because that's what I used to do. It's it's easy to fall into you do all that work and it's not translating because you're looking up the scoreboard and you're still hitting whatever you're hitting. That's not very good. It's not what you're expected to hit. And since I want to ask you this question, this was an interesting point that 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 uh, Pat and Dan made on the telecast last night. This relates to Vladdy's 423 foot home run. Um, it's the 18th home run he's hit 20 degrees or under, which is the most in the major since he broke in. Now, the reason I'm asking you this, of course, is we we heard about this idea of them trying to get Vladdy to, to create some more loft in his swing, right? Uppercut. To uppercut with his swing. The home runs that I've seen Vladdy hit the past couple of days, see, those to me are Vladdy home runs, the ones that get out really fast, really fast on the line. That he takes the bat and hits the middle part of the baseball, and just because he has a good finish, just kills his, yeah. his finish gets the ball in the air yeah. enough but because he hits the ball so hard and it comes off his barrel the way it does, have that's you why noticed, it goes where it goes. Have you noticed any difference lately since people started talking about that uppercut? Have you noticed any difference in Vladdy that 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 even if he even if the uppercut didn't work in games and even if he didn't take it into games, is there any way that thinking about it or working on it in BP or whatever could help him with his regular swing? God, I hope not. I, again, I when when players of who Vladdy wants to be, triple crown winners and 
You know, you have to hit 340, 350 to do that. You're going to hit 340, 350 with an uppercut in your swing. No. no. You use your lower half better on where balls, certain balls are at. And, again, this gets back to maybe you just don't like the ball down. Maybe that's your kryptonite is the ball down. Maybe the ball down in the way is just what you need to concentrate on not swinging at so you don't get yourself out. And now, hopefully, because pitchers are human beings, that sooner or later, if you lay off that, they're going to give you something that's a little elevated, that's above the knee, that because you have that level swing plane and because you're starting to use your lower half a little bit more and a little bit better on time, that you're going to do things to baseballs that most human beings can't do. And I this is just me. I hope some people you just don't walk up to and go, hey, can you try and cover the entire strike zone? Vlad's not one of those people. Well, well you're right-handed. You face a bunch of hard-throwing right-handed pitchers who are going to try to get you out down and away. But most of them can't locate there. They're not pitchers. They're throwers. So if I can lay off that one early in a count, it's okay for me to – be hitting behind in the count because I'm a good enough hitter to do that because I can go middle the other way. That just allows me to have them or let them make a mistake so you can sort of do what he did last night. Vladdy's nowhere near what Vladdy wants to be. I can tell you that right now. He's still late on the heater. He's still not getting the head out on velocity. He's not not barreling up velocity the way he should be doing that. But because he's such a good hitter, he's still getting hits. And if you're the opposing team... That's a scary thought. It really is. We'll be joined by Rex Hudler, Kansas City Royals TV analyst at 11.05. Jerry Blevins of SNY and host of the Shea Station podcast will be along at 11.30 a.m. He's from your neck of the woods. Yeah. And uh, minutes from we are going to talk about the uh, New York Mets continuing to roll Eduardo Escobar last night, hitting for the cycle against the San Diego Padres. I can't believe that I... I I like I'm looking at the Mets right now. I really undersold the Mets. I really undersold the Mets, didn't I? Uh any uh Major League Baseball All-Star voting is supposed to start today with phase one. So I go to the website and it says voting for the 2022 Chevrolet MLB All-Star ballot will begin on Wednesday, June 8th at eleven fifty nine AM ET. Okay, so anyhow, phase one, it says right here, June seventh. Anyhow, it starts on June eighth. The reason I bring up the All-Star game on June 7th is if you look at what Alejandro Kirk is doing right now, <clears throat> you can make the case that he is the best catcher, all-around catcher in the American League right now, offensively and defensively. So I'm wondering, is it possible that Alejandro Kirk has gone from the trade block to the All-Star game? And also today in Florida, Trevor Rosenthal will pitch will showcase for a bunch of teams. Now, he's coming off a uh, thoracic outlet surgery, and then he had uh, labrum injury. He had a good year during the pandemic. He was at one point in time one of the premier closers in the market. He's got a showcase in Florida today, and yes, the Blue Jays are going to send scouts a scout. They are going to be at that workout. So could Trevor Rosenthal help the Jays could Alejandro Kirk be going to the All-Star game? What else should we be focusing on when it comes to trades in the Blue Jays? John Morosi of the MLB Network joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan on 360, and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. 
the smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we turned Barker into a hockey fan. No, we did not. That's all you've been talking about. I said, I, his, you, I, I said I, his name one time. And the only reason, one, <laughs> one of the reasons why I said it is because his nickname is unbelievable. I told you that he, but his team didn't win. I don't care. That's not why I was watching. Again, they I was didn't flipping, win again. I was, I was flipping channels. I mean, it's one of those things where you just go ahead and get it over with. It's going to happen. You're like, you're not, you're not moving on. It's three nothing. Like you just, but it was more of, how good he was that made me tune in and not want to change the channel and be mad at the coach for not leaving him out there every single second. He's pretty good. Just his skating with the puck is. I have a hard time liking the Oilers because growing up in Winnipeg, the Oilers and Jets were always the thing. Then working in Calgary, the Flames and Oilers were always the thing. So I just had kind of a hard time really. Uh, I just, I, I can't. Elicit any great emotion for the Edmonton all, Oilers positive say, emotion. You, but, but, but I did like watching this team play, and it would have been say, nice to see them. Yeah, continue. it would have been fun. You you, all, you always say that speed causes chaos. When he's on the ice skating around and doing all that stuff that he does, yeah, he's it's like, chaos. He's like it's the other team is like, you go there. You he's just got him. You get him. If like, you have no idea. If you talk to people who – understand the like Jeff Merrick talks about this all the time. And if you, if you talk to people who understand what he is doing on his skates and I'm talking about how his feet are moving, how his legs are moving, how his body is moving. It is, it is obscene. It's like watching it is. It, it, it's, it, it's really like watching a, a once in a lifetime. It's how dude. he starts. It's how he starts his feet before he gets the puck. That's the yeah. one thing I noticed. Like, again, I'm not a hockey guy, like, but I was tuning in and I was like, man, nobody else receives the puck. Oh, like he does. Like he gets his feet going so he can get them and start in that direction before he actually gets the puck, which is kind of no, cool. And it's it was unbelievable to watch. Like I really was like mouth open and like I just couldn't believe how his feet were moving and how fast he was and what he could do with the puck, like making it go in different directions. It's crazy, man. Like yeah. good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we get to see how good he is with the golf club. Ah, it's you know. Um, boy, this is probably going to deteriorate into a hockey discussion, isn't it? I mean, I'm just going to let's bring John not. John Morosi of the MLB Network's going to come on. He's going <laughs> to Morosi's been listening to this. I mean, Morosi, I'm just going to turn it over to you and Barker. You guys can talk hockey. I might go have a pee, or maybe I'll go and put some cream in the coffee here. But uh, no, isn't it? Good morning, it's, Jeff. Barker's Barker's like lived in. As I was hearing, so I, I would say this. As I was listening to that hockey conversation centered on McDavid, I felt as though I was Jordan Alvarez in the batter's box watching a slow, spinning, yeah. hanging slider making its way toward me. Yeah. As if everything was slowing down, uh-huh. and there it is, right, right in the wheelhouse. No, uh, it was, <laughs> thanks for the, for the invitation to be on the show. And, and I'll, I guess I'll just say this. It rarely has there been a more entertaining sweep Yes. What we just saw, well, so you think about a couple a of those periods where it was just, it was like watching a basketball game in terms of the scoring. And that was incredible. So I, I think you're right on. 
Kevin's breakdown of, of McDavid's feet is uh, is spot on. It was just a he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there might be one more uh, longer run in them uh, maybe next spring, but uh, what an amazing uh, team that they've been to watch. Yeah, no, they uh, they really have. I just find it funny that. Barker's lived in Canada for five or six years, and he's just discovered Connor McDavid. No, and he's worked that's up not be- true. He's that's worked not up true. because his nickname is Jeff, McJesus. It's that's the greatest nickname in the history of nicknames. You know, Morosi, you you know as well as anybody. When you do anything that you think to a higher level, that comes with a nickname. Like you get a cool nickname because you're better at it. I mean, how could you that's have right. a better nickname than McJesus? Like really? And then I watch it, and I'm like, that is it. I get why his nickname's McJesus. Now that's yeah. why. And Jeff knows whenever I watch a sporting. I watch it differently than most people. Like I, no, you do. I, I, you watch I see, it from an athlete's point I of view. I saw his feet moving, and I just thought that's the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Like how he moves his feet before he gets the puck, which is just—I don't know. It's a baseball show. Sorry about that. That's all right. No, 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 no problem. Hey, John, uh, Trevor Rosenthal is having a workout today, and I think it's Miami Gardens, Florida. Uh, the Jays, and this is no—I mean, there'll be a lot of teams down there. It's Miami. It's Florida. Teams have facilities in Florida. It doesn't cost anything to jump in the car and drive over. But the Jays are gonna are, are going to go to this workout. Look, this is a guy a couple of years ago was one of the best closers in the game. We know the Jays are looking for swing and miss stuff at the back end of the bullpen. Um, clearly, if you like this guy and you sign him, you're not going to bring him up to the majors right away. You're going to have to have to ramp him up. But uh, should they be interested in Trevor Rosenthal? Or let me should a, should a contending team be interested in Trevor Rosenthal? I, I think so, and he actually posted recently a, a video of himself throwing and looked pretty good. Now, now he's not throwing 101 miles an hour anymore, but it's still a live arm. He's been there. He's been through a lot in the game, injuries. Uh, he's been very successful. He's been an all-star. He's been in the World Series. He's also struggled. There's not a whole lot that Trevor Rosenthal uh, can't speak to in terms of the, the experience in baseball, which I think is valuable at the back end of a bullpen, especially for a group that, that has a lot of uh, younger arms or, or at least those who haven't pitched a ton in the playoffs before. So I think that is going to be a, a real asset to whichever team he joins. And I think it does make sense. The, the Jays, you're right, and that, that might be their one glaring weakness right now is, is a lack of of swing and miss stuff at the end of the game. They've lost already this season 12 games uh, in, in their bullpen, so 12 losses combined by relievers, which is one of the highest totals in the American League. And so th- there's no secret that that might be the one major weakness for this team. The good news is there are a lot of teams who, who even with this expanded playoff structure are not contending right now and, and who will have – some bullpen pieces to move. I think Oakland comes to mind as one. They've got a pretty good bullpen. Uh, Colorado is likely another. Um, Both of those teams, I think, have multiple relievers to move. We could see Detroit do the same if they continue to struggle as they have this season. So there will be some inventory out there. Uh, And I think that the Blue Jays, when you look at the, the perspective of the American League, whether it's Rosenthal or somebody else, the Jays have time. They really do. They're, when you look at the, the rest of the of the, uh, the American League, you look at the Jays have played, they have one of the better records in the league right now. They're not, from where I sit, in grave danger of missing the playoffs because of their bullpen. Right. They, they might not arrive to the playoffs with the seed that they hope to have uh, because of the, their early season bullpen struggles, but this team, for me, is, is a playoff team. And so they have, I, I believe, the luxury of a little bit of time. The other part is, 
they're they're going to be able to to address the need that they have, which is back end bullpen, without having to worry about giving up a Martinez or a Moreno or one of their very best prospects because the price for that need is substantially lower. It's not as though that they're missing an ace pitcher and, oh, my gosh, we have to give up Relvis Martinez to make it happen. What they need is going to be attainable, whether it's Trevor Rosenthal or somebody else. When you you go watch Trevor Rosenthal, who hasn't pitched since, I think, uh, September of of 2020, uh, what do you look for? You've been – dove into more of these than I have when teams go and look at certain guys like this who have had success in the past and who don't throw as hard as they used to. Is it spin rate? What do you think they look for? Oh, yeah, I think well, spin rate to me, Kevin, is that, that that's the buzzword around the game. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that everybody who's there, and I, I'm, I'm confident that the, the equipment will be there for, for Trevor's agents with the Boris Corporation to share exactly with the team's what the spin rate is on on the fastball, on the breaking ball. Uh, I, I think so. You're looking for those those measurables, which I'm sure will be given to everybody. And the other part is going to be command. Uh, how how is he able to locate? Because Trevor has in the past dealt with pretty significant command issues, and I think that he's going to have to prove to everybody that that he has those command issues ironed out. And now obviously, it's different pitching at. St. Thomas University in, in Miami Gardens before a bunch of scouts in comparison to 50,000 fans at Rogers Center, but, but that's, uh, I, I think he's done it before. And, and so I think they'll look for command, how's the ball coming out of his hand. And, and he's someone that I think is worth taking a flyer on right now. There's a lot of other arms. I, I think as you get a little deeper into the season, too, uh, there, there are sources of, of pitching out there, whether it's really scouting the minor leagues well, whether it is, honestly, in some cases, not that you would ever promote somebody directly from independent ball into, into the major leagues, but there, there are guys out there throwing. And I think because of the, the unique nature of the 2020 season, I, I really think, Kevin, we are still, as an industry, catching up to that year that we missed. Because there are pitchers, uh, I think especially, and certainly position players too, but there are definitely pitchers who have been lost in the shuffle. Who are who are quality arms, but missed a little bit of time and development. Maybe missed that little bit of refinement of their command or that one extra pitch. Who are, they're out there somewhere, and, I, and I'm sure the Jays, with all their resources, are looking at even AAA rosters somewhere where they could find a, a pitcher to help them out. Now, John, during spring training, the Cleveland Guardians had a scout following Alejandro around pretty much everywhere except the the washroom. I mean, he was at every workout. They was filming, and he was, I mean, everybody noticed it. And, of course, that was when the Jose Ramirez rumors uh, were, were rife. Is it possible, looking at, looking at Kirk's numbers right now, and, frankly, looking at what I would say is, has been a not very good year for catchers in the American League, understanding that, there's fan voting and player voting, et cetera, et cetera, and that the all-star balloting, I think it starts tomorrow now, uh, under, understanding everything that goes into it. Is it possible that Alejandro Kirk, and again, I know we're, you know we're five weeks away from the all-star game, is it possible this guy could go from the trade block to the all-star game? Oh, yeah. I, I think right now, if you look at the numbers that he's put up, it's hard for me to find a catcher in the American League who is more deserving of an all-star nod over Alejandro Kirk. Look at his numbers. He leads all catchers in the American League in hits. And, in fact, his overall offensive contribution in terms of OPS is second only to Wilson Contreras 
among all major league catchers. You look at it, and, and his numbers, I think Kirk's numbers, have been better than Christian Vasquez, who might find his way to the All-Star game still. Aside from that, you look around, and, and a team like the Yankees, great team, and their catchers are mostly known for their defensive abilities. Usually we've seen All-Star assignments handed out more for what they've done offensively. And do you see a, a Jonah Heim uh, get into the game? Of course, he's been a very good young catcher for Texas um, because they need representation, whereas you would expect with Toronto they'll have a number of, of players making it elsewhere who, who might sort of squeeze out Kirk from having to be the Jays' representative. I, I, I do think, though, on his merits, if you just look at the, if you look at the performance of the players this season – if we're basing the selections on how they've played this year, Kirk shouldn't just be in the All-Star game. He should start just looking at the numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. he deserves it. Now, we all know that with the All-Star voting, it's not always based on that. But you're right, Jeff, that there's not a ton of elite-level catching in the American League right now, especially not two-way, especially not uh, what he does with the bat. So uh, he belongs in L.A. for me. It would be an amazing story and a well-deserved story. He, he belongs there, and, and I think the, the Jays are in a very interesting position with having three major league-level catchers. You think about Jansen and then Moreno, of course, in the minor leagues. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they handle that depth going forward. I don't think they'll trade one of them this summer. They, they just don't have to unless right. something – catastrophic happens injury-wise elsewhere, I do think they might reevaluate that in the wintertime and make a move then. But I think the Jays, uh, right now, their catching depth, I believe, is the envy of the industry at that position. Yeah, it's interesting because I've seen people draw comparisons between where the Jays are with their catching depth to where the Rays were last year with Willie Adamas and Wander Franco and, of course, making the the Willie Adamas trade to uh, uh, making the Willie Adamas trade to Milwaukee, but it's 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 kind of different, isn't it? In this case, it is, and also, you know, Adam, first of all, if the Rays had the budget of the Philadelphia Phillies or the New York Yankees or even the Blue Jays, they probably wouldn't have had to make that trade. Right, that's that's part of it. That the Rays always will look. They subscribe wholeheartedly to the adage of better to trade a player one year early than one year late. That's why they traded Austin Meadows earlier this year to the Tigers. That's just how they operate. And so I think that was specific to the Rays and how they conduct themselves. And I also think in in that shortstop position, they they knew they had a a bona fide perpetual all-star ready to play at that position. I also think catching-wise, you're one, you're one foul tip away from uh, a pretty significant injury and, and, and missing time. And so I, I think especially when you consider the way the, the game is played now, I think having a third catcher that you could trust, maybe Moreno comes up and makes his debut in, in September, I, I think those are, those are all options for them to sort through before the end of the season. But we also know this, that, that if the Jays were in, an, uh, in a go-for-broke type of a, a season – which we could argue how desperate they should or could be this year at the deadline. You know that was the, the, the a a Moreno-like piece. Kiber Ruiz was what brought Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to the Dodgers right. a year ago. I mean that was that right. was the piece. And, and I I actually think that if you compare Moreno and Ruiz, they're they're very similar profiles. I think Ruiz is going to be an All Star, uh, if not this year, very soon. I think he's a really good player. And so uh, I look at what what sort of that carrying piece was. And if, if the Jays were in the market for whatever the versions of 
a rental Max Scherzer and a, a controllable one-year-plus of Trey Turner, if they're looking to make that kind of a deal in July, again, I don't think they are, but if they were, then Moreno certainly would be front and center as, as the key piece as part of that conversation. J- JP, I was watching uh, last night's game, and I saw Bo go back leg city to right center field in Kansas City. I saw Vladdy go back leg city to right center field in Kansas City. Ball, as soon as it left the bat, it was gone. Did we overreact over the baseball early in the season? You know, maybe, Kevin, and I think that that's a good point where we saw batting averages creep back up in May. The ball was, was and probably still is to a degree, irregular, erratic. Every time I've been in a clubhouse this year and I ask a player about, hey, how's the ball? I'm like, well, what's been your experience? The, the, the answer is usually like a little bit of a raised eyebrow and, and to sort of say it's been consistently inconsistent. It's just been whatever, if it's one batch or one part of the year's batch, we know the different batches, that these are all hand-woven. Hand this is a handmade manufacturing process, if you will. Um, there are irregularities. This year was more irregular than most. I had some players tell me that when, when they would feel a ball that was really scalded, hit very well, that it would almost feel like there was a – there was a, uh, a, a smudge on that side effect, like as if it was like uh, almost like lopsided when it really got hit hard. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I think that to me is, is, the, is the question is, will that sort of level itself out, whether it warms up? Um, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now. And those swings, Kevin, that you're describing mm-hmm. uh, from, from Bo and from Vlad, I think speak to that. So it's why I've, I've sort of said let's wait and see how things look in another month or so, because I think hitters are generally getting caught back up to, to the lack of spring training. I think by now, the, the, the lack of spring training, of full spring training, is no longer an excuse. I think that basically right about now you've got to say, okay, we're two months into the season. That excuse is gone. The ball is what it is. Maybe it's still going to be a little bit irregular, but I, I think we're starting to see more normal baseball. And I'll tell you what, Kevin, one thing, uh, Kevin and Jeff, that I've really noticed from doing a lot of games in different parks this year, Pitchcom has made a huge difference. Mm. I, I think that it's made – I think it's done a couple things. It really has – I've done a number of games at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees use it, and we used to talk about Yankee games lasting four hours. We haven't had that this year, at least the games that I've done there. It's been much more of a, of a tempo that I've really enjoyed. It's been fun baseball. And I think that's, that's helped the pitchers stay in rhythm better. It's helped them execute pitches better. It's helped the defense play better and Kevin you can speak to this when when the ball is in the zone when it's in play when the pitcher has tempo you're a better infielder you play better because you're in rhythm and I think that that's contributing to what's been a challenging run scoring environment because you've got both pitchers and fielders locked in and in rhythm Mr. Morosi, really good of you to do this. Thanks so much, man. Great stuff. Thank you. Good insight as always. Kevin, Kevin my pleasure, my friend. And I, I kept myself just to one hockey comment. That's and that you was nailed it. it. You I, nailed I, I, it. I kept it baseball focused. You nailed yeah, it. Yeah, that was very good. Thanks, John. Be well. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. All the best. Take care. That's John Morosi, damn it, <clears throat> of the MLB Network. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's, I, I'm kind. I hadn't thought of it the way John described it. But it makes a lot of sense when you look at where the Jays are in the standings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they—I think he's right. They might have some time to to actually Ooh. make a deal. Now, let's remember that it was the end of June that that Ross Atkins addressed the bullpen last year, and I still think 
I, I'm not yeah. going to say they're open for business. I'm sure they're looking, but that's what I've been saying all, all along. I think we can, I think we can, the fact that the American league has kind of shaped up the way it's shaped up right now. I think it does give the Jays a little bit more runway to exhaust what they have internally before having to go outside. You know, you can you can see what a Matt Gage gives you before you have to go outside. You can see what a Jeremy Beasley is going to give you before you can go outside. Well, I, I think, think you got to ask yourself, do you want to win the American League East? If the answer to that is... You're not... I, I, well, well you got to ask yourself. you got to ask you yourself. Gonna, you think you can beat the Yankees in the American League East this oh, year. Hang if the on. answer to that is not really... The question is, can you make yeah. up seven and a half games? Well, that's a lot. That's a ton of games So there, there's up. That, for me, is more of... Do you have time? Because I, I think the right time is now. That, that for me is as soon as you can get better arms and get them in here and have them pitching in highest leverage and have the coaches and everybody used to seeing them and having confidence and going to them, I think the sooner the better. But, again, it gets back to that big picture. Where do you think you stand with the Yankees? That, that's the whole thing he is mm-hmm. here. And, where you know, your offense is, I think, catching up. Like, it's – you the still offense, need a left. You still need a left right. to go deeper in the playoffs. We all know that. Yada yada yada. We've said that till we're blue in the face. But it's that you see, you're starting to see them catching up, and they're figuring out who they are, and they have confidence now. You think you're okay with that? The defense. Everybody's playing where they should be playing, mm-hmm. and that Matt Chapman effect at third base mm-hmm. is playing a big deal here. And the outfield defense. Let's be honest, it's better. Much better. They're starting to catch the balls they're supposed to be catching. Route running and all the stuff, first jumps and all the things that go into be be good outfielders is all there. It's just that when do you think you need it and where do you think you stand with the big bad Yankees? That's the whole thing for me. And I think that's a there's a fine line there. Yeah. There really is. At, at some point, and I don't expect the organization to come out and say this publicly, but at some point you have to take a look at where you are and say, okay, realistically. Do we have a shot at the AL East title or are we playing to maximize our postseason possibilities to finish and get home field as much as we can, even if, even if it's just for one series? And I think that's it's, at some point, look, it's, it's June 7th. A lot can happen. Mm-hmm. The, Yankees can, the Yankees are starting to get hurt. We've, we've, we've seen that. But... I do think you have to have that discussion. What are we trying to do here? Are we trying to win the regular season AL East title? Probably not going to do it. Or do we want to position ourselves for a run during the playoffs? Yep. And I think in some ways that might have an impact on how the Jays approach things as we get closer to the trade deadline. And as I said, who knows? Maybe the Yankees end up coming a little bit coming back to the pack a little bit. Rex Hudler is a Kansas City Royals TV analyst. He will join us to take a look ahead of game two of the series. Jerry Blevins, SNY host of the Shea Station podcast, will join us. We got tickets to give away as well. Don't go anywhere. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.